you know, there seems to be this misconception the gray man's a good guy. I mean, just because I was a good guy and a lot of other people that did it were a good guy doesn't mean that's always a good guy. I mean, I've mentioned many times people could use this for bad reasons, bad purposes. There are bad people out there doing some of these things. And today we're going to talk about home invasions, some of the things you can look for and how people pretend to be a gray man, want to blend in, be something they're not to gain access to your house, especially when you're home. And these dangers are very real and they actually happen most of the time between about 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. when people are at home sometimes. Because some of the examples I give you make sense for them to do in there in those hours when people are home because of who they're pretending to be. So here's some warning signs and tips to look out for and prepare for a possible home invasion, intruder, or some other bad guy who wants something of yours or to hurt you. Ah, the wonderful game of pretend that we play. And the thing is to remember what humans are susceptible to. You might tell yourself you're not susceptible to these things, but you are. Because it actually depends on who is standing in front of you, the condition they're in, how you're feeling at the time, and what's going on with you and what's around before you decide whether or not you're going to trust somebody. Yes, some people are way too trusting, way too often. And there's some people who say, well, I don't trust anybody. But you do, actually. There's several people you trust. And when you find somebody that's very similar, appears to be similar to somebody else that you trust, it makes it easier to trust them. Basically playing on your emotions. Think about things we've seen. <laughs> I always use these references, and I guess because people understand them, but we see them in movies and TV, but they have happened to people. Somebody comes and knocks on your door. doesn't matter if it's an apartment complex, if it's in a subdivision, if you're out in a rural country, or you're in the middle of the woods. And here's the thing. It makes sense to a lot of people to say, I live in the cabin in the middle of nowhere. Late at night, somebody comes knocking on my door. I'm a little freaked out about that. That makes sense. But what they don't think about is it's so common to see people, especially people you don't know, walking around, say, a more populated area like an apartment building, knocking on doors. Maybe they're lost. Maybe they're trying to deliver something. Because that happens, we accept every incident is acceptable and okay and trustworthy when it actually is not. And people use emotions. And they talk about things like, my vehicle broke down. I got a kid in the car or my baby. Maybe they're holding a child. Maybe it's raining out and they're covered in rain or they're really dirty. They look like they've been beat up or attacked. I'm not saying none of these things happen to them, but I'm saying it's not hard to fake any of those situations. All you got to do in a downpour is get out of your car and stand in it for a while and you can be wet and look pretty terrible. So it's understanding that there's things you can do to protect yourself and don't assume just because what you see is what you get. Because your eyes lie to you. Most of us take most of our information in from what we see with our eyes when we probably should take in less than 10% of it as being possibly real. And so we need to be worried about, conscious of emotions that people use that we will feel and they'll use against us based on how bad things are for them at that moment when they need help. And there's things you can do initially that are very minor without interfering that it's going to help you determine whether or not this person's full of shit. One simple example is that first you never open your door or at least all of your doors. If you have a screen door that's actual screen and that's the only thing other than your main door, leave your main door closed. People don't think about those screen doors possibly hurting them if they want to come through them. They're not very sturdy. Most of them aren't made out of metal anymore on the screen portion. If it's a glass door that is locked, that's okay. People usually think twice about Breaking that because they'll get cut. And if they actually do break it, you need to get out of there and shut your main door right away because that person is going to become very violent. But one of the things to think about 
is not opening that door if you don't have to. Definitely not showing your face or inside your house if you don't have to. But having at least one physical barrier better than a screen door that is locked that they can't get through or can't get through quickly. Enough to at least buy you enough time to close the main door or it. That's step one. Step two is what a lot of these people need in the situation I'm describing is they need a make a phone call. They need shelter for some reason. They make a phone call. No problem. They can wait outside because they're already in a safe place. They don't need to be inside your home. And then you can offer to make that phone call for them. See, it's real simple. They will have the number. There's only two ways for them to make that phone call. Number one, they actually know the number and they need to use your phone. Number two, they have a cell phone, but no signal. That means on the cell phone, they can look up the phone number. If they can't look up the phone number because the cell phone's dead, then what? why did they come to ask you to use your phone if they don't know the number? Something's not right there, and that's something to pay attention to. Another thing is to make sure that you have emergency numbers near your door, and you should. One of the things you can do is you could just get some local emergency numbers and even the non-emergency lines if you needed to. But you should definitely have your local law enforcement number, not just 911, but their number and know which extension say go straight to patrol or which one's a non-emergency number or emergency local number because it'll that way you don't have to go through 911 necessarily just for something like this. You can still use 911. And you can let them know that because of their situation, you're going to call the police for them. You're going to call fire department emergency services. You're going to call the paramedics for them. You're going to call the tow truck for them. So, I, you know, fire department, possibly, but definitely law enforcement, paramedics, and EMTs, those type of people, tow trucks. Those are the most common things. No, no, I got the number right here. And then you use your phone and start dialing. Now, here's the thing. If they really are in need of help, no matter how much they're freaking out, it shouldn't be a big deal. If they're trying to get you to not dial that phone, or they're freaking out even more the second you start dialing the phone, they think you're dialing the phone, something's wrong. Or even so, if you go through and make that phone call and then they leave and act like they don't need your help anymore, definitely something is wrong. And when that happens, you don't hang up. You keep putting that call through and you make that call and report who you see, who they are when they were there and what they were doing, especially if they leave because there's something bad and the police need to know about it. Don't call the police off. Follow through and call call on that and make sure you know exactly what you're seeing. And hey, if you got a pen and paper there, you can start writing things down like their name, what they look like, what their clothes are wearing, any description of them you can. Another one, though, that's very common is delivery people. Delivery is more and more common these days. There's always UPS, especially during the holidays, but a lot of people get UPS deliveries a lot. There's obviously the post office and people that come up to your house. There's also FedEx. There's things like DHL some people get. There's other companies. And now Amazon does a lot more door-to-door service. Now, there are some people that definitely know their mail's coming at this time. And in a very tight window, and it always does. They're a small town. Everybody says hi. We know who that mail carrier is. I lived in a small town in Arizona. And I lived in the one house for six years. And I had four or five minimum different people delivering my mail every single year. I never had a person deliver my mail for more than four months. Not to mention vacations and holidays have changed a lot, and I'm a guy that pays attention. UPS drivers definitely aren't always going to be the same. FedEx drivers, probably not. And there's things to know about how they behave, how they dress, and what they look like. There have been home invasions where somebody's shown up in brown shorts, a brown button-up shirt, a brown hat, and it was a home invasion, and they thought they were the UPS person because they were there to have them sign for a package. They were there to do delivery to their neighbor. They needed some help. They were confused. All these things that good-hearted people want to do and they didn't pay attention to certain warning signs or know what to look for. First thing is, 
if they're looking for somebody, they're going to reference a name and address on a label. When they do that, they should be reading it to you or asking you. If they're putting it in your face to where you can't see, like literally or close to you and pointing their finger at it to get you to look at it, that's not how people do business. That's not how they work and something is wrong. Keep paying attention to their face and look in their face. The next thing is just because you're aware of the color scheme of types of delivery drivers, you need to look at and start paying attention to where their name tags are because these guys will have name tags, where the patches are that are those certain things. And the other thing too is a lot of guys will wear the hats. They'll wear the hats because they can put them down a little bit. They can kind of lean forward and lean down to where they're hiding their face and it makes more sense because they're holding the box pointing at the label. So you just kind of gloss over where their face would be because you just see the top of the hat pointing all the way down to see their body. They're pointing down. You look down and then they got you. They kick the door in. They come rushing in. They grab you. Well, here's the thing. A lot of those guys aren't wearing hats anymore. They really almost never do. There might be an area where you live where you go, yeah, UPS out here wears hats. Okay, that's fine. But a lot of places they don't. Places where I get packages delivered when I'm in Washington or when I'm in Arizona, they don't wear them. And you need to know and understand whether or not any of these other delivery drivers do. The other thing, too, that's going to become more dangerous is Amazon. Amazon delivers directly to home now in a lot of places. There's a hub out here where I'm in at this time, and they're using their little blue Sprinter vans or whatever. They say Amazon. But several times during the holidays, it wasn't a Sprinter van. It was a personally owned vehicle. And a person coming up didn't necessarily have a uniform on. And they were doing Amazon deliveries. And that's going to become more prevalent. It's already happened where people are doing that, showing up late at night after dark, 6 o'clock, because it's starting to get dark in a personally owned vehicle, in civilian clothes, carrying a package that looks like Amazon, got the big old swish on it, and acting like they're supposed to deliver, they're not sure they are. That's something I warned like my mom about where she lives because they might be full of shit. And here's the thing. Guess what Amazon typically doesn't do? They typically don't do that. They know where they're going. Typically, it's somebody who's ordered before, so it's a big red flag if you've ordered from Amazon several times and been delivered to your house. They show up, and some other companies do this too. They put the package down, then they take a photo of it. You get notified and there's a picture in your notification, whether it comes on your phone or your email. They don't knock on doors at six o'clock at night to make sure it's there. They, they leave it on you. So that's another red flag to be careful of is these delivery drivers. But most of these, they're going to happen sometimes at night. But a lot of times these things happen during the day when people are home. And why not? Even now, the statistics still back up the idea that if you get in a subdivision type area, there's probably one adult at home and no kids or a very young, small child. All the kids are at school and it's typically like a stay-at-home mom. And in many communities, that is definitely 90% of the population. So it makes it a lot easier, or especially for people that are experienced. Another thing to know is we've talked about signs before. I'll mention it again. Security signs do deter thieves. Having different types of security signs available, especially for security systems. So if you're going to do that, you can talk to companies like ADT or whoever. Have them come out, check your place, put the sign in. Maybe they want to have a newer neighborhood and use a demo home and you got to keep it real clean, but they'll give it to you for free. That happens on occasion. The other thing is if you have an old faded sign, get a new one, put it in a new place. Thing knows people talk about dogs, pets, pet signs. Those typically don't deter people. Unless your dog is trained, which is a whole other legal issue, you might get in the situation where your dog wants to eat those hot dogs and not attack the bad guy. However, small dogs do deter them because small dogs talk a lot, yip, yap, run, they're real fast, hard to catch, and they like to bite. Another thing to take note of is where you place your keys, especially keys to your house as well as keys to a vehicle. They should always be easily accessible, especially at nighttime. So on a bedside table, somewhere you can get to them immediately in the event that you have to leave your home 
because of a home invasion and you get outside, you want to be able to get into that vehicle, leave and drive away. Which also means that cell phone, if you have one, is freshly charged in Nexos key so you can take it with you and then you can make a call while you're on the road. Another thing to point out too, especially about people coming to your front door is being able to see them before they can see you. Now, some homes do have peepholes like a hotel room doing those doors, but even then if somebody sees it, they can just cover it up or they stand real close or bend their head down so you can't see anything. Now, why windows to the side of the door, kind of the long vertical ones that are narrow, might help you see. A lot of times people have distorted glass on there so they can't see in your house. Plus, as nice as they look, there's not a great security feature because that's just another way into your home. So another nice thing is when you have a door where you have a little glass way up on top that most people, even at my height, can't really see out of without trying to look, that they can't easily see in, and then you can identify them. Plus, they're not always paying attention to those types of windows, so they don't necessarily try to hide and you can usually see them. Not to mention that most people anymore, when they knock on your door, back off a few steps. And mostly because of COVID and delivery drivers as well, because they can see that if you have, say, a screen door or a glass door, it has to swing open. And then if you have a house like one of the house I'm in now, the door area, the width of the door, and then coming up about three feet, just slightly past where the door would open outside, is a raised platform and it's one step down. People just kind of subconsciously realize they can't stand up there. They'll get knocked off, so they have to back one step down anyway. So it's a nice feature to have to keep people away from the door. And here in this house, it's a big signal if they don't back up that there's a problem. So, of course, you do the best you can with what you have. Just keep note of these things. Remember, I'm not saying you can't trust people. I'm not saying all people are bad. I'm saying there are simple signs and things and behaviors you can look for, just like when we talk about every other subject, where... Sure, we're trying to detect deception over here. We're trying to read body language over here. But now we're actually trying to find a way to identify a gray man, a bad one. Somebody that's going to do bad things. This is part of situational awareness. Part of situational awareness isn't just what's going on right now in my environment and blending in and all that stuff. It's also realizing, like on the very first or second podcast I did, how to predict the future. What are behaviors are normal and what is not? So some of these things I've decided about delivery drivers are not normal baseline behavior. They're out of the baseline. But you need to know what that baseline is to make sure you know it's out of the norm. Then you've identified something different, something wrong, and in this case, a red flag. That's a big part of situation awareness is understanding not only what's different, but what's potentially bad as well as what's potentially good. So that's something to pay attention to. Make sure, if you can, you have a way to see that door, especially in the front, so that you can identify somebody. And if you have to put a camera out there, that's great. Just stay away from the ring cameras. So do the best you can. Do whatever you do, and I hope you stay safe. Did you think that was it? That would have been a good exit right there if I'd have done that. Something else to look at too, home invasions or invasions in your home that may not be in your home like your car or a carjacking. There are many situations, quite a bit of them actually, where somebody's been taken, a kidnapped event. When the police show up to the site at the house, what they find is a car running in the driveway that's empty. Part of the reason this happens is the time you're most vulnerable. Most people, when they're driving home in a vehicle, most of the time when they're getting out are taking and carrying things in, whether it's a child groceries, stuff from work, they're wanting to relax, they're not paying attention to things, it is the most vulnerable point. So a couple things you can do. One is simply just kind of paying attention to looking around, even if it's right after you park. Don't turn off the vehicle, keep your windows loaded up and your doors locked, look around, because a lot of times if somebody is going to attack or do something, they're already there or close by or walking down the street towards where you are. Additionally, like I've said before, Backing in so that you can drive straight out will make things easier, especially if somebody's coming and you can see them coming and they have a weapon. Something else you can do as you approach and drive down your street is remember you live there. You probably spend a third to a half of your life at that address. 
there's probably things you should know. So start paying more attention, situationally aware of what's on that street. Starting with just, I don't know, maybe a couple of houses down on the side you tend to come in. Where do people tend to park? What time of day do they tend to be home? When does the mail come? Certain things that you already know, add to those, whatever things you're seeing. Did you notice the kids were out playing today and they only come out on Thursdays? Now it's Wednesday. Is school out early? Maybe there's something like that you know. And then you can start coming in from the other side. Eventually, you start paying more attention a little farther out, a street or two away, maybe even several blocks. Your mind is actively looking for things. Now, people, a lot of times, bad people, subconsciously will notice when somebody's paying attention. They can't really describe it, but they can kind of feel it. So when they see you kind of paying attention, they might just leave you alone. But even if they don't, you're more apt to identify something that is about to happen and be able to steer clear of it. Maybe you see something that seems like a threat and potential, but you're not really sure. Just drive on by. Don't take the risk. Find out what happens. Make a phone call if somebody's at the house. Tell them what you saw. Have them look. Have them not open the door. Maybe you do see something happening and you call the police, but you didn't stop there and you're not in danger because you followed your gut because your gut is going to keep you safe. That point is simply to remind you that most of all, situational awareness is an active exercise. It's not subconscious. Sure, over time, there's probably some things you subconsciously pick up and do. But if your conscious mind isn't paying attention to them, it isn't always processing them. And it won't matter that you have that ability unless it's actively starting to look for other things. See, the way the brain works, it's not like I actively pay attention to 10 things. Five of them now become subconscious. And then they just stay that way if I stop paying attention to the other five. Not always the case. They don't just go there automatically. It takes active participation. Eventually, they go away and you don't pick up anymore because you're not in that same scenario, in that same environment, doing the same things the same way. Things change. We learn things differently. So it's an active exercise looking for things. And it doesn't always have to be dangerous. Just be looking for things that are different. Just the activity of driving to your house and looking for things that look different helps train your brain to identify things a little more easier just to do it. It's a simple exercise. And then through that, you might actually avoid danger. And that's something to think about. But remember these tips, these aren't widely talked about. There's a lot of great tips and articles out there about home invasions, things to look out for. But see, these are some of the things I thought were more important of the common mistakes people make when what they call prowl burglars or home invaders or anything armed robbery happens. Because some of these apply just as much as a business and people going to work. So don't forget that. These are common mistakes. Hopefully you can learn them and avoid them yourselves and maybe teach others.